You're listening to the Spurn by Stern Fantasy Basketball Show on the Sports Nuts podcast feed. I'm your host, Rodolfo, and coming up, um, we've got a very special guest. Um, you know, someone who has been a lifelong Warrior fan, who I feel like has been my spiritual, um, spirit animal, spiritual connection that, you know, I never knew I had, but... Um, you know, we, we've shared a lot of similar things growing up. Um, we just never knew each other until fantasy basketball entered our lives and was that point of convergence in our mid-20s. The one and only Kevin joins the show to talk about his origins with sports, with the NBA, with basketball, being a fan, being a lifelong warrior fan, and what that meant for how he developed his sense of the game how he saw different perspectives and different angles um, and what that meant for kind of connecting with people and forming relationships, building bonds um, over the course of his life. Um, Vic, you make a very prominent cameo in a lot of the stories um, and it all um, lands in this fantasy basketball realm that, you know, we've all lived in for the better part of a decade. Um, you know, I'm really grateful you know, to having met everyone. Uh, Davidson, shout out for, you know, keeping the league alive after I handed it off to you. Um, and, you know, for getting Kevin on board because I feel like he is a perfect fit for the depth of knowledge that, you know, we all have with regards to basketball and the Warriors. Um, we get into some fantasy talk, kind of the history of some of the trades he's made. Um, pretty interesting um, that we both kind of learned the, the genesis of, you know, a couple stories that we had no idea about. And we talk about the NBA with trades, the impact it has on fantasy. And I kind of let Kevin do his thing. You know, this felt like a therapy session for him to get out all of his thoughts and feelings and emotions about how things went down this past week. We're recording this on February 10th in the evening. So this is right after the NBA trade deadline has passed. Um, I spent the day... You know, some of it working on stuff. The other part, trying to listen to every single one of Bill Simmons' um, post-trade deadline episodes to kind of get a sense of what to talk about today. Um, I had a lot to say, but not as much as Kevin. So I really let him kind of take the wheel and drive all the different analysis that we had over some of the bigger moves of the week. Um, and also what it all meant as far as fantasy basketball implications. Um, either this year or moving forward. And I got to say, um, you know, we go pretty in-depth. We go pretty long. And I loved every second of it. And, um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy as well. Um, you know, it's been a long time since we've had the first few episodes of this season. And I'm going to try to do a better job of getting these episodes out quicker, more frequently. Um, with a variety of guests. I've already got some things planned, so be on the lookout for not just this episode this week, but um, more coming up. I've got some plans. All right, let's get to it. Coming up, my chat with the one and only Kevin on the Sports Nuts, Spurned by Stern, Fantasy Basketball Show.
Welcoming to the show, uh, someone with an eclectic palette of interests. Um, someone who I just found out is an enormous K-pop fan and had Korean barbecue with 21CL in LA um, back in the fall. Uh, kind of jealous I wasn't there. Um, someone who has won the league, um, spun many trades, and has a wealth of knowledge with Bay Area sports, the Golden State Warriors, and just the NBA in general. The one and only... Kevin, welcome to the show, sir. Wow, man. Amazing introduction. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank Happy you. to be here. Amazing intro for an amazing person. I mean, you make it, it kind of easy, you know? Nah. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, um, this the long-awaited follow-up to the uh, opener of our uh, podcast for uh, the Sports Nuts, Spurn by Spurn League. But you know, I kind of figured I need to have some time with, with the year and kind of figure things out. And um, the NBA trade deadline was today. A lot of crazy shit happened. And, um, you know, I, I wanted you on the show specifically because you pulled off a number of memorable trades in our league. Um, but, you know, before we get into all those details, Kevin, I need to know your origin story. How did it all begin? Um, where did you start as an NBA fan and kind of growing up with basketball in your life? How did that help shape kind of your perspectives? Um, uh, your perspectives uh, today as no. an adult. Yeah, yeah. So, growing up uh, in the Bay Area, my dad was a huge sports fan, and he would always take me to, I mean, back then, anybody that knows Bay Area sports knows that generally the Niners were the best team, the Giants were pretty good, and the, the Warriors were shit, and they were terrible all the time. Um, but yeah, I grew up going to all the games with my dad, and basketball was always my favorite. It was the only sport I played when I was younger. And I really remember going to um, Oracle when, well, I don't even know if it was, what was it called back then, but like 20 years ago? Shoot, I don't know. I remember, yeah, I don't even remember that was. Yeah, I don't, I, maybe it was called Oracle still back then, but we would go a lot because it would cost to go to a lower bowl, um, two lower, lower bowl tickets. Two hot dogs and a drink was forty dollars, and I remember that specifically. And I like I own season tickets now, and it's so much more expensive. But that's really the seed of like what made me a basketball fan. And it back then it was always to go see the other team. So like we might like he would take me when the Orlando Magic were here, so I could go see Penny. Penny Hardaway was my favorite player. Um, you know, saw all of the all of the nineties and two thousands greats. Um, and then, yeah, I think actually what made it me even a bigger fan is I, I went to school down in Southern California, UCLA, and everybody was a Lakers fan. And of course I was there during, it was the second Kobe run. So like the Kobe Lamar pow teams. And I just got shit all the time for like how terrible my team was, but I always rep them and I knew this day would come. We're good now. And I love it. And I'm so happy. Um, but yeah, that's the origin about how I got interested in basketball. Um, fantasy, I think it was. So I think the original connection is Victoria, right? Victor Me and Victoria went to UCLA together. And then through Victoria, I met uh, Trenton and Cherry. And Trenton is the one 
Um, I think I met Davidson through Trenton. I think I met you through. Did I meet you through Trenton as well? Yeah, yeah, same circle. I think it was oh, that whole, the league, right? And then I don't know. I think it, I don't know if it was Davidson who invited me originally, or maybe it was Vic with Davidson's blessing, of course, because we we know he runs the show. Um, but yeah, that's how I got involved in the league, and that was probably eight years ago, maybe. It's been a while. It's sad that I've only won once in that span of time. It makes me very sad. You've only won but once, yeah. but it does feel like you're always in the running. You're always like making moves, and people are just questioning, and it's like, how the fuck? This guy in the top four again this season? Um, but I think a lot of that spans from just um, the, the wealth of knowledge. That, just, you know, Bay Area people I have. I'm just going to like call it out. Bay Area people have a far larger... Uh, supplement of knowledge within basketball because of our shared trauma with the Warriors in the 90s. We kind of had to learn the rest of the NBA because our team was so bad. So like you said, like just going to games in the 90s for your favorite players on other teams, um, I think for me was the reason why I got into basketball so much. Like I love the Warriors because my grandma watched basketball games all the time. She cut out the schedule um, from the newspaper. It sounds like Mercury every year and posted it on our wall. But then, because they were so bad, we got to know the rest of the NBA. I think from there, um, Davidson also had a very similar experience. And uh, that's kind of the bonds that we share as Bay Area fans. Man, I ne- that's such a good point. I've never thought of it like that. But LA, LA Laker fans always annoy me. And I think that's part of the reason why. It's because they just ride, they, they just know LA. Like, they know the Lakers. They love the Lakers. But it's like that bubble, right? And I never really could put my finger on, like, man, I, it's just, like, why do these fans annoy me so much? And now I think that's why. The breadth of knowledge is not there. They just argue, 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 Lakers, Lakers, Lakers all the time. Like, I'm a huge Warriors fan, but I'm not, like, when it comes to basketball argument, I'm not, I'm not loyal to my team at all. Like, I look at the, the broader game. Yeah. It's one of those... Uh... Los Angeles delusional aspects of uh, the Lakers where they could do no wrong. You know, they they have dynasties. Like, yeah. But also you had like the mid nineties with like Nick Van Axel. God bless them. I love Nick Van Axel, but at the same time, those teams weren't that good. And then um, you had the dip after Kobe. Um, and then you have this iteration. We could talk about it later, but my God, what happened this year? I have no freaking clue. Russ. I know what happened. That's, that's what happened. <laughs> Russ, Russ, I, I don't know. God, bless, bless you, Russ, for wanting to come home, but um, you, you, you just you have some bad habits that don't fit with that team. Um, you know, just learning about basketball and having it be part of your life for um, essentially your entire life. You know, childhood, middle years, high school, college. What are some of the inspirations that helped you understand the game over time? <sighs> What helped me understand the game? So, I don't know if I I was never a particularly good basketball player. I think I peaked when I was in, like, fifth grade, you know, before, like, people turned into athletes. And um, I think it's because my older sister used to play organized basketball because my dad made her. Like, she didn't like to do it. Um, But I would go to all of her games on the weekend and I'm, like, three and a half years younger than her. And every time, like, there'd be, 
a timeout or something. I was that little annoying kid that went on the court to just like get shots up. But I used to do it all the time. Like whenever there's a bucket, I'd be playing basketball um, from the time I was really small. So when I was really little, like my skill level was really high. And then naturally as time went on, the skill level kind of remained the same and the athletic ability like never went anywhere, obviously. Um, I was chubby as I am now. I was chubby as like a little eight-year-old, nine-year-old. Um, but I think one of the things that I credit basketball with is being like the little chubby Asian kid. I never got made fun of because I like could play basketball and talk about sports. And like that kind of helped a lot. As I reflect as an adult, like back in my childhood, I was like, man, how did I not like get picked on all the time? And I think a lot of it had to do with like, because I played basketball and I knew all of the jocks and um, I could have a conversation about sports. Um, and I think that actually helped me a lot. I know it's not like specifically talking about uh, like basketball skill, but I think just the game itself and getting into it early really helped me develop like friendships and relationships. I mean, like even now, like our, our connection is kind of like sports, fantasy sports, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a very common Asian American story, right? Where we cling on to something that's very like local, which is Bay Area sports. There's just something magical about Bay Area sports, regardless of if the teams are doing well. Um, there's something that unifies all aspects of the Bay Area regardless of your demographics and your socioeconomic status, you, you kind of have a rooting interest. And it goes, it always goes back to basketball because, you know, we had two football teams. We had two baseball teams. We only had one Golden State Warriors team. They were bad for the majority of our lives, 30 years, but it brought everyone together. Um, and fantasy basketball brings us all together. Um, when you first came into the league, when you first got invited, what were your impressions of coming into this space, I think we had 12 um, owners at that time. Um, and then very shortly after we went to 14, um, did you feel like you were a ringer coming into um, these, these, these noobs who didn't know the game? Um, did you feel like you had a superiority over, over some strangers when you first started? I gotta say, like, I definitely came in a little arrogant because I'm like, oh, I know a lot about basketball. Um, and for most of my friends, like outside of, you know, your crew and the fantasy crew, not really into sports as, or people that say that they're into sports. It's like, well, not like I'm into sport. Like, it's just a completely different level. Right. And you other than Victoria. And I think that's why me and Vic became really good friends. Like when people say like, oh, I'm a Lakers fan or, you know, like. They might know when they won a championship, but they're not going to be able to tell you the entire roster and like who's been injured for three days and all that. So um, I kind of I kind of thought like I might have an advantage. But the second I started like talking to you guys and then got to know Davidson, like after I got to know Davidson, I know he ran the league. It's like, OK, this is not it's not going to be an easy league because. I'd say Davidson knows more about sports, like not just basketball, like all sports more than probably anybody I know. Um, yeah, he's one of those few people that like I'll dig up a nugget and like he just could talk about it or like, like he tells me something I didn't know. So I had a I had a feeling like it's probably going to be harder than other fantasy leagues that I've been in. And I actually have been in other ones before this one. Um, I was in another league with like 
Victoria and her like high school friends, I think. And that like it was so it was so easy. <laughs> so I was like I was kind of like oh like this is easy right and like uh, I also had like you know your fantasy football leagues, but I think in general, fantasy f- football attracts like a much broader audience and more people that don't really know that much that aren't real sports fans, right? But like fantasy basketball, like generally people aren't playing that just for fun or like at the office because it's a lot of maintenance, right? Like lineups every day and all that kind of stuff. And then when I we did the draft, then I knew it was like, oh, everybody knows about sports. Everybody knows about basketball here. Like, there are a few that I'm like, what are they doing? But in general, I felt like everybody knows a lot about basketball and had good strategy. And I definitely didn't think I would, like, do well. I think I did well that first the first year. Um, but I don't know. Maybe that was just luck. Because we don't, we didn't get keepers, right? I do remember that part. Yeah, early, early on, there weren't keepers. Um, no, I think they were, there were keepers, but if you're new, um, you don't have any. Yeah. So that, first, like, whenever you're, all the new people are kind of like feel like they're at a disadvantage. But then, I don't know. It seemed to happen a couple of years where like the new people would do well. So maybe that's something to look into. But I definitely thought I wouldn't do well the first year because I didn't have any keepers. Yeah. Um, but I think I got second that year. I can't remember. I should have like gone back and looked at like all the places I got. Yeah, yeah no, no worries, man. Uh, Davidson, I think, has a log of a lot of that stuff. So um, just ask him to pull him up. Um, he can print out the uh, the PDF doc. Um, but no, I think you know when you when you first come into a new space, you, you well, at least me personally, I have this sense of like I have to I have to prove myself. Like it's an it's an initiation to like coming into a space, especially in sports and basketball, where we feel like we have. A, a lifetime of knowledge and then we have to show other people that we're, we're not scrubs um and also everyone's a stranger so it's one of those you gotta get to know people over time um how did you aside from victoria of course how did you build relationships with people um throughout the league i know it's virtual we don't often see everyone all the time but you know there are communications here and there messages for trades um and the occasional uh, draft party whether that's uh through zoom or in person um, how do you feel like those relationships were built um, throughout the time you've been here? So in the beginning, I think we actually did meet up quite a, well, not quite a bit, but like we tried to meet up and like watch warrior games together at some bars and stuff. And we did do some draft parties. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it seems, it seemed pretty comfortable right away. I got to say, like, I'm not really like a, a shy person that's got to feel it out like i'm just pretty blunt and i'll just like say whatever i want so i never really you know had like a nervous feeling of coming to league or anything like that once i like i do remember meeting jesse and like just immediately like the shit talking began like five seconds after we met each other i was like oh this is perfect because that's what i love like I, I love shit talking all the time um unfortunately Victoria is not in our league anymore, and that was the person that would just like we would just shit on each other all day long. So I don't know. This year we're missing something. I need to find another person that you know I could just talk garbage to. Sometimes it's Mike, but he's too nice. So like Mike Wang, what's his team name? I can't remember. Um, it's the Giannis team. OT yeah, Giannis, I think. a bit because. Yeah. I, I gave him Giannis. We'll get into that later. But yeah, I try to talk 
talk smack to Mike and like he doesn't really he doesn't really come back at me. He's too nice, so I gotta find another person. He, he's a nice guy. He, he's such a nice guy. You know, he's uh, someone he, you're very willing to do business with. Um, I think is is a nice oh. guy like that. Yeah. Um, but let, let, let's let's hit Jesse a little bit. Um, so Jesse, his his history with the league, he's been here for a long time. I think 2010, um, after Davidson and I left college, went to the real world. He met him at work. He didn't understand why he was friends with him. Aside from he was just a very gregarious person, but also kind of Wait, annoying. And didn't understand why he was friends with Jesse? Yes. Um, that makes complete sense. Like, I cannot put them together at all yeah but it's just one of those where he's one of those people that you know get under your nerves get under your skin but at the same time kind of in an endearing way you're like but i under- I, I get it because you're you're not super aware that you're doing it but you're also very friendly and like he's aware i think he's aware <laughs> he's aware he's i think it's hilarious though so yeah, yeah. No, he, he's, he's a funny guy ultimately he's a funny guy but he has made some horrendous trade offers over the years, uh, whether that's like directly just sending it without talking to someone ahead of time or he'll kind of feel some things out. Uh, very Lakers delusional. Um, I think he was a Lakers fan for the majority of the time that we were in the league until the Warriors became good. Then yeah. he was a Warriors fan. And that's why, yeah, we have no respect for him. And it kind of leads into like trades, right? And this idea of the trade rules set up the way that they are in our league. So to kind of mm-hmm. go over it, um, this is straight from Davidson's um, rules manifesto. Players traded for or added to a roster will have $0, a $0, a $0 value for this season toward next. And then keepers are the average of last year's and this year's projected value price. I smell a loophole in the system. Yeah. So essentially what that means is if you trade for someone, it's zero plus next year divided by two. So you essentially cut that in half, right? Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of jump into it now. You've made a lot of trades. You've got some memorable ones. Um, we've got two that I think really stick out. Um, but we also have a Victoria trade that I think both of you have erased from your memories for different reasons. We don't have the details, but go into the story. How did that happen? More importantly, what was the outcome of dealing with victoria so vic being you know probably my closest friend out of everybody that's in the league naturally that's like the person you talk to the most so kind of the person you're gonna like just talk trades with so we would always be we would always talk trades and we had done quite a few before um i don't think ever huge ones but as time went on, I think she realized like she shouldn't trade with me anymore because it they don't turn out very well. But really, the icing on the cake was that we did this one trade, and it it was the last trade that we ever did. Um, and I can't even remember the components of it. They weren't like superstar players, but I remember like I was bothering her about it for like three days, and she's like, "Ah, eh, like." It seems good, but I know you're, like, trying to do something because you're tricky. I think she's even talking to Mike on the side, like, hey, it's like, he trying to trick me, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I wore, wore her down, and she ended up doing it. And when I got the notification, like, that the trade request got sent, I, like, did a mini celebration, like, nerd, right? Like, I'm celebrating that 
I'm getting this like B level player in fantasy basketball. Anyway, I was it was I think it was around bedtime and my girlfriend was there and she's like, Why are you so happy? I'm like, Oh, I just I just own Vic on this trade. She's like, What do you mean? I'm like, Yeah, like I can I you know, you know, I told her like it's an even deal, but it's not an even deal. Like I definitely got the better part of this trade. I didn't think she was gonna do it and she just did it. And then when she's like, that's that's not nice. Like, I'm going to tell her. I'm like, dude, you better not tell her. And she did. She told her. She texted her. And that was the last trade Vic ever did with me. I recorded it. You recorded it? Oh, that's... See? That's why Lillian's here. She recorded me celebrating. Saying, oh, I was such a... I, I screwed her. I screwed her. Yeah, I guess I was saying I screwed her. I screwed her. I'm a lot meaner in real life, obviously. Like, I made it sound, like, not that bad. I was obviously drunk off power saying, I screwed her, I got the trade. And my girlfriend recorded it behind my back and sent it to Victoria. And she's like, yeah, I'm never going to trade with you again, man. Yeah. And she did, never did. And now she's not in our league anymore. All right, there's some layers to this. I actually this. feel like I don't know when trades with me anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> I, mean, I would. I, I'd swing something. Um... There's a, lot, there's a lot of things to unpack. All right, first of all, so just just to ease your ease your ease your pain here, I would. I uh, am back in the league mentally. I was out of the league mentally for a number of years. Y you won a lot. I just kept Steph Curry as a keeper just to kind of hold him hostage. But now I'm like, all right, I'm I'm back invested. Secondly, Vic, I apologize for bringing that up. I apologize he had to relive that just now. But um, you know, he did make it sound very tame. Shout out to Lil for being in the background, for uh, keeping us... Uh, and be your own. That's two times she screwed me over. <laughs> for keeping us accountable. And right now. Um, no, I, I think... Well, that's that's kind of the power of fantasy basketball, right? And like this idea of, you know, getting one over on your friends, but also doing it in something that we feel we have superior knowledge to with respect to everyone else. And it just feels extra sweet when you do it to someone who you've known for a long time you see it play out um I, I i have a very similar story for that so i traded with davidson back in i want to say 2011 the horrible things i've done yeah i mean it, it, it's it's horrible but it's all in the name of love in basketball love and basketball um shout out to that movie um i traded to davidson danilo gallinari for steph curry during the season that he only played like 20 games and they got ankle surgery um, I was out for the season as far as like my record, but you know, I said, "Hey, Davidson, you know, you, you like the you like Danilo? He's a fantasy juggernaut. He's a small forward, power forward that shoots a lot of threes and a great percentage." And he's like, "All right, Steph Curry's got brittle ankles. I think that was the exact phrasing." Ever since that day, I've kept Steph Curry on my team hostage throughout every single losing season that I've had because at a certain point, I just I was donating every year, um, but. You know, it's just one of those where basketball just will always have me. So I came back to the game. I came back with trying to piece together five or six years of player movement, trying to understand where the game is now. Um, and I still look at that trade as the uh, kind of the thing that's kept Davidson and I together and kind of the uh, the genesis of a lot of the friendships that we have here on. I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. no, that was, that was how I acquired him. And Davidson has never won after that, has he? No, I think he's just cursed. I would be too. I would hate myself. Yeah, yeah, he was pretty I cursed. Give away. Well, and he's a Warriors fan. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, well, even a, another story to that. Davidson, I, I'm throwing Davidson under the bus here, but I'm going to do it. On draft night for Steph Curry, I was at a club and he texted me. Or I was, I was, I was getting ready to head out and he texted me. And then I read it. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll get to this later. Then he calls me and says, what the fuck are they doing? I wanted Jordan Hill. I wanted Jordan Hill. I wanted this power forward center. Why did they take Steph Curry? They already have Monte Ellis. And I was like, calm down, man. Like, you know, like Don Nelson wanted him. And like, he's a, he's a good shooter. Like if anything, you know, he's, he can, he can like space for Monte Ellis. And he was just so upset and livid. He wasn't bought over until maybe five or six years later. I always had hope. I was that I, person. I think we're uncovering something here. I think that Davidson hates Steph Curry. I think so too. I think. I think. Like, didn't want him in the draft. Traded him to you for nothing, pretty much. Was that just straight up trade? Yeah, it was a one for one. Yeah. You go. All, it makes sense now. It makes more sense. He didn't believe. Yeah. No. And then he's he's forever cursed. Um, and it's just funny how trades go like that, right? Where they have this lasting impact on the league, lasting impact on your relationships. Um, you've made two pretty phenomenal trades um, outside of the Vic one. Um, you made one with Mike. His team name is O.T. Giannis. Would you like to tell us the genesis or the reason why he is a Giannis um, owner, perhaps for the rest of Giannis's career, and um, how it all... You know, how, how, what was your thought process in like putting that piece, that trade together? So, the genesis of why this trade happened goes back to what we've touched on about league rules. And I don't remember how me and him figured, well, I think it was, I think people knew it, but it wasn't like out there. Like, obviously, Davidson knows he made the rules, but. I think one year during the draft, Jesse got really up in arms about a keeper value. And he's like, there's no, there's no way that could be a right keeper value. Like, that's way too cheap. So then, of course, we asked Davidson. And Davidson's like, well, that's because he, he, last year's value is zero. And we're like, what? He's like, yeah, like, if that player was dropped due to injury or traded, the player's value goes to zero for the previous year. And so immediately I'm thinking... Like, why aren't people just swapping superstars every year to get a competitive advantage? Um, and so I don't know if this was this was this might have been the first or second time that me and Mike had done this, where like we were looking at our teams. If we don't think that we're going to win, we're like, hey, dude, let's like cut our keeper values in half and have two superstars next year and have a better chance. So, yeah, a little colluding. But. Eventually, we brought it to the group, and I think we've mentioned it multiple, multiple times that this is how it works, and it's in the rules. So, but I guess I kind of screwed over Mike on this one, because Mike had won the championship, and his team was like a juggernaut the second year. Imagine, imagine the Warriors winning the chip, and then the 73 win season the next year. That was what he was doing, and he was going to run away with the championship. And I was like, I wonder if he's going to be a little cocky and think that, like, maybe he could pull off a trade and still win. And so I cooked up a trade. Do you have the I, I don't have I know it's surrounded behind Kevin Durant and Giannis, but I can't remember the 
the other parts who were yeah, yeah i got i got the principles here so okay. mike gets kevin durant carl anthony towns and jeremy grant you get Giannis and robert covington no it's the other way i wrote that uh, wrong other way kevin gets kevin yes. durant carl anthony towns and jeremy grant and mike gets Giannis and robert covington Yes, and Rocco was hurt and never played again that season. So he got Giannis. And hey, you know, I don't think this is a bad trade because he got Giannis and he might have him forever. There's a wrinkle with Giannis being his keeper, though, that we also need to talk about. Um, but yeah, pretty much right after he did the trade, he asked me, hey, is Rocco going to play? I'm like, honestly, I don't know, dude. Like, who knows? I kind of thought he wouldn't, but I said, who knows? So we made the trade, and yeah, Giannis played well, but like he couldn't recover from that trade, and he ended up, he didn't win the chip that year. And he, we talk about it, we still talk about it, like every month when like I say something or do something, he's like, "Well, fuck you, dude! Like you prevented me from going back to back." I was like, "Hey, man, that was your decision," but he was also in on it because he wanted. He's like, "I want I've three people." He yeah. wanted. You wanted the cheap keepers. Yeah. So I want to run the table for three, essentially. That's why I don't feel bad for anybody. It's like, you know what you're doing. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm cool with the trade uh, provisions. Like I'm good with it because nobody does it. And it, it's, it's an incentive to trade. Right. Um, but sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. So I think that's like kind of the, the, the fine line with understanding how trades work and kind of the ebbs and flows of fantasy itself, because you are just playing the stats. You're playing availability. In a lot of cases as well. Um, just when I look, look at it on paper, I'm like, you gave, you 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 got, KD and Cat, and I'm like, what? Like, uh, granted, Giannis, you know, is is a very good player, but essentially you got a two for one. Yeah, we also need to just like you also got to remember that year Rocco was going off. Hmm. Like that was the year he was like hitting threes and had like two steals and two blocks a game. So he was pretty valuable, but I'm like, I don't, I don't think he's going to come back. I said, I didn't know. I didn't know, but you know, so it wasn't now when you look at it, you're like, wow, that's pretty lopsided. But at the time, I didn't think it was, I thought I got the better deal and I thought he ain't going to win the championship anymore, which was my main goal. Cause I couldn't have won that year, but I can't, I couldn't let him win. Like I couldn't, I could not let him win twice before I won once. So I made that my championship. I'm like, I'm going to wreck his team so he can't win. And yes, I did it. Yeah. Honestly, it's kind of, it's a stroke of genius as far as I'm seeing it today. And um... I might pay for it because he's right. His team name, he still has Giannis, which he shouldn't have. And I don't even know if you know this, man. Should I talk about this real quick? Yeah, go for it. So, la- I think it was this season. Because, um, you know, Davidson, thanks, Davidson, for always doing all the keeper values. It's a lot of work and setting it out and, like, asking us who we want to do as keepers. And so, naturally, like, you know, me and Michael talk about it. And I think he wanted, he was supposed to keep Cat as his keeper. Was it? No, it was last season. Yeah, so it yeah, wasn't yeah. It was last season. Cat was supposed to be his keeper. But Davidson somehow got it mixed up and kept him Giannis. 
instead. And that's how. And then Mike's like, hmm, maybe I should say something. I'm like, dude, honestly, you should keep Giannis, man. But, you know, that's probably why he's going to keep. I probably told him to keep Cat. And then he, he tried and it, he actually kept Giannis. And that was the year that Cat was out, right? For most of the. Like, yeah, yeah. he had that horrible season, right? So sometimes it's just weird shit like that that happens. And now he's all, y'all, Giannis is my son. I ride for Giannis. It's like, bro, I drafted him. Or I think I, I, did I, dra- I think I drafted him and he was my keeper for many years. I raised him in our league. And then I had to use him for a, a very important thing, which was spoiling your back-to-back championship. I'd do it again. That's cold. That's cold for doing it. Um... You know, it's just it, things break, right? Things, things, things happen. You know, not everything works perfectly. I think we all can uh, can look at David Stern and say uh, maybe he should have let Chris Paul go to LA because still that's no guarantee that he, Kobe would have won a championship with them. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's it's things like that that break. So I mean, I think it's a nice wrinkle into our history. Um, another wrinkle into our history that I, I don't know if Trenton will ever make a trade again, but you did Ooh. another deal. You know, very shortly after, for a long time, I thought, because I don't know all that. I I mean, I haven't been in the league since the beginning. I kind of thought, I was like, man, this might have been the best, the best trade ever in league history. But now I know it's not, considering I know the origin of your, how you got Steph. You you got me beat on that one. Yeah, that Uh, that one's a quiet one. But um, let let me get over the principles for uh, the Trenton and Kevin trade. We got Trenton getting Mike Conley, Conley Jr., um, and Brooke Lopez. Granted, these were um, top of their top tier in their positions at that time, maybe three or four years ago. So very high productive players. Kevin gets yeah four years ago. Luca, I know because season. Yeah, uh, we got Luca coming off coming into his second year, um, and Darren Collins. First year, first year, rookie season, Luca, rookie season. Luka. That, that's why. That's why it was a gamble. Hmm. Um, well, go into it. So how did, how did that all start? What was the conversation like? And um, what were the kind of the back and forth negotiations to uh, land on those principles? All right. So this goes back to before, before the fantasy draft or anything like that. Like I follow a lot of, you know, the prospects for the NBA. And I was like dead set on Luca, like I'm like this guy's gonna be a superstar like I can't see how he's not gonna be a superstar I mean there are two NBA teams that didn't see that obviously they passed on him on draft day to take Marvin Bagley but that's another story for another day anyway so I saw his game and I'm like this guy could is probably might put up stats like James Harden that's kind of like what I was thinking but in like five years, like not immediately. But I think he has the ability to do that because he won like EuroLeague at 18, right? Was like the EuroLeague MVP. Like that's crazy. That's the second best league in the world. And people don't like think that like Duke versus North Carolina has more talent, which is insane. Anyway, um, I was, I had honed in on him and I'm like, that's, that's my number one priority on draft day. That's who I'm going to draft. Uh, but, you know, like, rookies usually, what, go for 20, 25 max? Like, they never really go higher than that. So I think I put a cap on my bidding at, like, 30 bucks. I'm like, because, 
you know, I'm like, you can't be emotionally attached and go cr- and like spend way too much money on this guy that who knows, like maybe he might not pan out. So, um, and of course, Trenton, it is always Trenton who I'm like bidding with for a certain player. I swear it's always him. But then I feel like everybody thinks that it's him. So I don't know. I think he just puts in a lot of bids to drive up the price. But he definitely wanted Luca because it was me and him going back and forth from like $15 on. And then he won. And I was like, whatever, forget it. Like I tried to get over it. Um, and I believe, I still remember, it was 30 bucks exactly that he got him for. And I was like, oh, he overpaid. He overpaid for a rookie. Anyway, season starts. He played, Luca played one game. And I don't even think he put up that good of stats. But I watched the game and I was like, oh, he's got it. So it was that night I texted Link or I texted Trenton. And I was like, hey dude, I really want Luca. Like, what can we do? And I thought Trent, you know, Trenton usually is one of those people, like when he starts out a negotiation, he's like, Well, I'll take like Kevin Durant and Giannis for Luca. You know, like yeah. he just every time. But for whatever reason this time, it he came in like, oh, I was like, Oh, that's 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 pretty doable. Um, he wanted Mike Conley, and he was obsessed with Brooke Lopez. Like, because like he has the rare ability to shoot threes, which he wasn't doing a ton back then, but also get blocks. Um, so he really wanted Brooke Lopez, and, like, Mike Conley was, back then, like, pretty, not top tier, but second tier point guard. Um... And so I don't, I think he thought that he was asking for too much, but I don't think he knew like how infatuated I was with Luca. Cause I immediately was like, done. Like, yeah. send the trick, do it. So it was Luca and Darren Collison, I believe, for those two players. Um, and yeah, he's been on my team ever since. And I probably only won the championship because, because of Trenton. Thanks, Trenton. But he owed me from a previous thing that happened shout out to trenton thanks for thanks for being part of that no that that's one of those when you hone in on a young player that you figure has a certain skill set that is fantasy friendly um it's a gamble of course because you didn't get him on draft night but you found a way to get him on your team um no as you constructed your team moving forward we saw a very similar james harden um type player um go into kind of the the championship run um you know you paired him with james harden um, you also have some other players who are similar. You can go into as much detail or as little as you'd like. I want to give away too much of your strategy, but how did you construct that winning team that year? So, let's see, that's two seasons ago. Was that two seasons or last season? Two seasons ago? I can't even remember. If it was the season, it gets all mixed up because we canceled one year. Yeah. Shorter. Was that last year? That was, or was that two years ago? If it was Luca and Harden, it was last year. Yeah, okay, it was last year. Um I I didn't I guess I did not intend to draft Harden. Like I didn't go into draft date. I just remember So again, this goes back like you have to know the group of people that are playing in our league, like generally pretty smart and adjust pretty quickly. So when we always used to draft, people would spend so much money for the superstar players. And then 
I think noticing that some guys started kind of saving money. So mid-tier came along and they were just drafting every single guy to the point that it sh all shifted over. And I think the top end guys, their value kind of got pushed down a little bit, like further than it should be. And so the Harden thing just came about because uh, he is very duplicative with Luca, right? So I would probably not go in strategizing to do that. I would go in thinking like, oh, I need a big man or something, like an elite big man. But I just remember, I don't remember what the dollar amount was, but like he wasn't getting bid up that high. And so I just, I just threw in a bid and, and I won. And immediately Trenton was like, who the fuck let that happen? Blah, 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 blah. But yeah. Um, and he had a really good statistical year that year, unlike, unlike this year. Um, but honestly, after getting those two guys and them being healthy for the whole year and having like amazing statistical years, I had to do very little. So I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like when you're doing, when you're having to do moves all the time, your team's not that good. Like any time I've had a really good team, I'll look at like the amount of moves I made. It's like nothing, right? Because you're not trying to like fix anything. So last year was like, honestly, like one of the easiest years. I just had those two guys. As long as they were healthy, I didn't really worry about it because they pretty much offensively, they, they put up in, in every category. Um, and I think the other key was getting, I think I got MPJ like off waivers or something. And he caught on fire at the end of the season. Yeah. No, that made a good point about the the movement you make throughout the year, right? And I think you had a pretty nice strategy of, okay, you have these two guys who are, like you said, duplicative of each other, but I think it also helps that they're just so high usage, high volume in all those categories. Um, and that's what you pay for. I think for me, I see a high valuation type player as someone who is not only is available, but is producing at volume at whatever position or whatever uh, categories that you're focusing in on. So not just James Harden, but someone like DeMontis Sabonis, who's been up to about $50 this year. Uh, makes sense, because he was going to touch the ball a lot. He was going to do a lot of things that a big man center does, in addition to the passing and the percentages. Um, even more so now in Sacramento, surprisingly. I don't, I don't, I don't know how it's going to work, but you know, good, good on him if, if that works out for them. Um, Dude, what a... We'll talk, I guess we'll talk about that later. It's, it's, it's a mess, but for fantasy purposes, you know, probably not the worst. Um, and I agree... If you make a lot of moves throughout the year, you're trying to fix something. Sometimes you overcorrect. Sometimes you just get hit by injuries. And I will say that's me this year. I had three weeks where I had COVID and I had injuries and half of my team was injured. And I'm like, I went from fourth or like fourth, four, five, four, five, six. We're all tied. The essentially bottom third right now. And I was just like making moves every day. It's like, I, everyone's fucking out. It's great. That's Man, I've been this season. I've been I've been struggling every day to be like I think I'm in tenth right now because you know you get a little bit of um you think you know what you're doing. So I won the championship last year, so I'm like, hey, keep a similar roster, right? So I kept Luca and I kept Harden, and then I drafted MPJ. Thinking like they gave, they just gave him one hundred and sixty-one million dollars. He's healthy. Yeah, incorrect. It and I also drafted Brogdon. So, yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, luck, luck, luck. 
yeah, luck luck does play a big role as far as availability and injury throughout the year. Um, that actually, um, sorry to cut you off, but it just made me think about. I definitely got away from one of my earlier strategies. So, like you, I would go after like heliocentric playmakers and also people that, that didn't get hurt, right? Because it's like availability is the most important thing. And going after MPJ and Malcolm Brogdon are totally like not things I would normally do. And I think that reminded me, it's like, oh, that's why you were conservative. Because, like, just off those, drafting those two players, it's like, I pretty much had no chance this year, right? You're getting, like, zero value for, I don't know, $70 a cast space or something like that. Um, but, yeah, a lesson to remember moving forward, for sure. It's how, you, it's how well you manage risk, right? If those players could have value on a team that does have the cap space, right? Where it's not such a big hit, where say like you're a brand new owner and you have your full allotment. Um, I think it would make a lot more sense to get someone like MPJ and a two or three other $20, $30 players. So um, it's just all about like managing, managing and strategizing how you assemble your team. Um, I have two other trades that um, I kind of pulled off that I felt pretty proud of moving forward. But again, there's a lot of luck. There's a lot of, Moving parts throughout every season. Uh, last year, I traded Malcolm Brogdon for DeAndre Ayton. So I took advantage of the halved keeper value. Um, Ayton had a great season and ended quite well. This season, when he plays, he's doing really well. But he has been injured. It's been rough yeah. at, at center. So again, it plays out, right? Like you, you, have to, you have to let the season play out. This year, I made two other trades. Uh, the first one kind of shook people. Um... We had John Morant and Kawhi Leonard go to Matt. And I got Donovan Mitchell. No, flip that. Yeah, I got Donovan Mitchell and Russell Westbrook. Yeah, so those are my two principles in that one. On paper, that looks like I won because Kawhi is out. Jaw is probably the best player of the four. But Mitchell and Westbrook are fairly comparable and they're available. Except Westbrook now, we have no clue what's happening in L.A. Mitchell was out for with a concussion. The most like curious, like unforeseen type of injury throughout the year. So then that kind of hurt my season. So I'm I'm struggling. But you know, it, it's you know, three weeks left. Who knows? Maybe something happens. The other trade I made was uh Cole Anthony for Montrez Harrell, which I still stand by because I think both are very similar. And I needed uh positional availability. So Montrez has been quite well. Or Cole. Say that again? You got Trez or you got Cole? I got Trez. Okay. Yeah. So I think that was a fairly even trade. I think neither of us made too much headway, but at the same time, I think it was a nice positional swap. Um, and yeah, just fast and the furious with just how things move. Are those the only, I think those are the only trades this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm the only one who, who, who made moves this year so far. All my, the people I used to trade with, they don't trade with me anymore. Yeah, yeah, you, you start opening up dialogue. You have to lose some trades too. I think that's another thing. Um, like intentionally losing trades in seasons that you're out. Um, probably well, it's not too high value of a, of a Danny Ainge, man. I'm getting the best deal, and that's why <laughs> no one wants to come play for the Celtics anymore. Yeah, well, now he's in Utah, and Utah's kind of yeah. a mess. So, man. All right. Um, so like we said earlier, today is the NBA trade deadline we had some big Ooh. movement this week 
We had some three enormous trades. And I got some small ones that we're going to touch on later on. Um, but let's let's go over this one first. So this one came in, I think, the, f the first one that came in earlier this week. I think it was on Tuesday, February 8th. Um, New Orleans gets CJ McCollum, Larry Nance, and Tony Snell. Portland gets Josh Hart, Tomas Sadaransky, Kill Alexander Walker, Didi, Didi Lozado. Um, and then the 2022 first round pick protected conveys um, between five and 14, kind of an interesting uh, protection. And then two future second round picks. A lot to unpack with the picks that don't really affect for fantasy purposes. But what do you think as far as CJ McCollum? Perhaps having a fantasy renaissance, not just this year, but moving into next year, um, having more space, being probably the primary ball handler um, now that he's in New Orleans. I think for fantasy purposes, it's, it's great for CJ. Um, they don't have a lot of shooting on that team. I mean, it's, it's pretty much him, Zion, who knows when he's going to come back, and um, Brandon Ingram, right? that are pretty much running the show. They don't really run anything through Jonas. Uh, that guy, but he'll just get his own off getting every rebound in sight. But I hope that it'll propel CJ to just, like, put up shots, right? Because when he was on the Blazers, he was always number two. Yeah, And I, he's probably number three on this team, but on the perimeter, they really need that that spacing, right? Especially when Zion comes back. Zion needs the space to drive to the bucket. Um, so I actually think he'll have a pretty good statistical uh, year. How he wasn't? How bad was he this year? Was he pretty? I haven't followed him. He's not on my team, so I don't really follow him. I know he was injured, but um, was he pretty down this year? Pretty down. Uh, pretty down for the price. Um, I don't have the value exactly in front of me, but I do know that. Um, for CJ McCollum's standards, he was not performing at the number one or number two type of shooting guard, right? Um, and then the injury, of course, was really um, put a dent into whoever owned him. Um, no collapsed lung is a serious thing. Yeah, as far as he came back from it. Um, no, and and but then did open up a lot of opportunity for the Portland young core and just other players, right? Um, I think that's what allowed that trade to happen was they saw something out of Anthony Simons. Um, what do you what do you think about him kind of coming through this season and kind of a lost season for Portland? And uh, what are your kind of projections moving forward for him next year? I really like his game. I remember seeing a couple like flashes probably when he was a rookie. I think he was a rookie the same year that Luca was, right? So. This is his fourth season. I think it was his rookie year. I don't remember if I was watching a Portland game or something, but he like just went off shooting from the outside. And I was like, wow. And I know he's a pretty highly ranked prospect as well. And I like read some stuff about him. I was like, this guy definitely has a chance, but like, how is he going to play, right? With that backcourt, like Damon CJ are going to take all the shots. He's probably not going to get playing time. And that's kind of exactly what happened. He didn't really play. But you always, like, read... I don't know about you, but I was like, read a bunch of basketball stuff. And you'd always read, like, oh, like, Anthony Simons looks really good. And then, but he'd never play. Kind of like the Jordan Poole thing. Like, oh, Jordan Poole's been in the lab, but it's like... But he's not playing that much, and we don't see it. Um, but for him, I think that was the reason why the trade happened. 
I really do. Like, that was the last nudge they needed to be like, okay, we're blowing it up. And they're going to build around him and Dame. And I don't know. I think I think he could be like, I don't know, all-star level, but really good. And he's a pretty good athlete as well, which is the difference between him and CJ, right? CJ was like a smooth operator, but not explosive at all. Simons has some explosiveness to him, and he's he's got the shot. But he's really streaky. Like, he's not a steady guy like CJ is. Um, but I don't know. It's exciting. Like, I always like seeing, like, young prospects, right? Like, we know what CJ is. Like, I hope he does well in New Orleans, but it's like nothing about CJ McCollum, like, excites me as a basketball fan. Yeah. One of those, in theory, are CJ, CJ, that is, is a safe fantasy pickup, but also you have to take into account his past injury history. I think those two things are in conflict with each other. Um, with Anthony Simons, um, really exciting young player. Um, I, I've I've always had him on my radar, but again, I think being in a backcourt trio with CJ and Dame did no favors, and also system. Um, say what you will about, um, you know, the oh, I'm blanking on his name. Um, the previous coach, and then also Chauncey Billups right now. Pretty hard to incorporate three um, small guards into any lineup. Warriors do it somehow because the Warriors have a very free-flowing ball movement system, but it's very um, Dame-centric. So how do you play off Dame? I think having this time for Simons to grow without um, kind of any restrictions or any uh, pressing on his backcourt time um, is good as far as fantasy is concerned. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's just going to be interesting to see Portland moving forward, what pieces they bring in. For next year, because this team or this collection of assets is definitely not going to be the same next year. Dude, I, what do you think they're going to do? So, do you think that they're just going to they're just going to build around like Simon's Nurk and Dame? I think Nurk is probably on the table. I think if there is a deal that they like, Simon's could be on the table. Like if hypothetically Bradley Beal was on the table and they asked for Simon's, I think they would have to do that. And then you just figure it out. Oh, right. That's never. Yeah. Um, but at least they now have the assets to do something, even if it's not a big, splashy like Bradley Beal. Um, I can't think of any names right now who would be available, but it's something along the lines of smaller moves to acquire players and move things around. So, what do, you, what do you think about the half rebuild? I think it's uh, a not... I, th- I think if Dame's involved, you have to listen to Dame. But if you say it's it's done, we're done in Portland, let's blow it up, then you trade him. But if you keep him, you have to if if you keep him and you say we gotta do this half rebuild thing because this is what Dame wants, then as an organization you just have to listen to Dame. And I don't agree with it, but to keep Dame in Portland, you, you have to kind of do it as a as a as a GM, right? I just it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No. It doesn't make sense. It, it's never worked to this degree. Um, and I, I I don't know. Granted, if they do tank all the way and get a top three, either Benchero, Smith, or a Chet Holmgren, that, baby. that changes a lot of things, right? Yeah, no, we'll, we'll have to wait and see with uh, with Portland. Uh, on the other side, um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker gets flipped to Utah. You know, kind of a rangy 6'5 wing. Could be a potential 3 and D. Player, what are your thoughts about him now being in Utah? Nah, just 
teases me every year, like I'm sure he does everybody else that follows basketball. Like, you look at the athletic ability, the length. He's, like, prototypical for, like, a shooting guard. But dude just does not produce. I don't know. Maybe you could blame it on New Orleans. Like, it seems to me like it's a pretty poorly run franchise right now, which doesn't make a lot of sense because they have David Griffin, who, right, was in Cleveland and has been very successful. But I don't know what they they did with him I, he looks a little broken to me and like maybe utah will be able to um get his career back on track but i mean he's pretty young right it's only his second year but i just watch him play sometimes i'm like this guy does not play basketball like at all and he'll go he'll have like you know those like two for 14 <laughs> shooting nights and stuff um but yeah i don't know with the young guys i feel like you can't judge it too early because a lot of times it is a situation. And from like all the looks of it, it seems like new Orleans is a shit show. So maybe he's not to blame and maybe he needs to be like going to coach Snyder and the Utah system, which I think is one of the best in the NBA. Maybe they'll be able to turn him into a good player. And I'm sure that's what they're thinking, right? Like they see the physical ability and the, the raw, um, raw skill. And they think they can make a good player out of him. But right now he looks pretty rough. I don't know what you think, man. Yeah, he's a little raw. Um, I think his confidence was definitely shot this season. Yeah, New Orleans just things just didn't work. Because um, New Orleans is also doing the half um, youth movement, half bringing old guys situation thing too. So it's also very curious and just unclear direction what they're doing. A little bit more clarity now with CJ, but. Uh, to Nikhil Alexander Walker, I think it'll be nice to have Conley and Donovan Mitchell as kind of your backcourt, like older brothers, kind of like figure out what it means to be a wing, figure out what it means to play off ball. Um, if he needs to play in the backcourt, what it means to be also a playmaker next to either one of those guys, right? Um, and I think it's like you said, going to the right system. Sometimes it's all about going into a new location, um, and Wiggins getting a new start. All-star starter, Andrew Wiggins. We Thanks, K-pop community. We did that. Um, shout out to Bam Bam. His album is actually fire. If you like R&B, even if it's in Korean, it's kind of fire. Heads up. Um, the other trade, well, the second trade that day that I think blew up the internet, broke my brain, um, the Indiana Pacers and oh, the Sacramento God. Kings did some things. So we had the Indiana Pacers receiving... Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. Sacramento gets DeMontis Sabonis, Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, and a future second-round pick. Protected. All right. I had my reaction. I don't know yours. What was your first impression of how this went down? All right. So, I don't remember if I saw... I either get my my basketball news from like it's either like scrolling on Instagram. I'm not on Twitter that much, so then sometimes I like Victoria tells me or Mike tells me because they're on Twitter and that's where like everything breaks first. But at first I was like, "What the fuck? This is so bad for Sac." But then I remembered that they're Sacramento, 
and that this is what they do. And so then it made more sense to me. I don't understand it at all, really, for Sacramento. Um, I guess you could look at this two ways, right? I don't want to go, like, too hard because DeMontis Sabonis is a really good player, and he's the best player in this trade. I don't, I don't really think that could be argued right now, right? As it stands now, he's the best player. But they have a logjam of big men. They're, what are they playing for this year, right? Like, they really want to make the playoffs. As I guess they're considering being the 10th seed, being in, in the playoffs. So you're going to lose one game and be out? Go ahead. I know they want to end their drought of, I can't remember off the top of my head, was it 14, 15, 16 seasons without making the playoffs? And that's like coming from ownership. Like, that's what we're doing. And that's why they made this trade, right? They're trying to, like, make the playoffs this season or make the play-in tournament. But you can't be short-sighted here. All I, all I started texting all my friends that are, like, Sacramento Kings fans, I was like, yo, y'all made one good decision in the past decade, and you just undid it in one year, right? Like, terrible draft history. Like, we don't even need to talk about Marvin Bagley over Luka, right? Like, just horrible. Just horrible decisions all the time. They finally get it right last year. Halliburton, who I loved, by the way, he was, like, top five for me. I couldn't believe, I don't think anybody who follows basketball, like, he was, like, the darling of, like, nerd basketball culture, right? Like, everybody loved him. And I was like, this guy keeps falling. I can't believe it. And the craziest part is part of the reason he was falling is because he wanted to go to the Kings. And he told other teams he wanted to go to the Kings. A little crazy. But it worked, and they actually got him. And immediately, like, what, 10 games in his rookie season, like, we knew he's going to be a good player. Potentially all-star. Like, the perfect player you want in the modern NBA because he's very versatile. He could guard multiple positions on the wing or the point, but the ball doesn't stick to his hands. And I think that's extremely important, especially for, like, a younger team that's like trying to grow like i love luca but part of the reason why i think they can't find a superstar they can't find good players to put around him it's like who the fuck wants to play with somebody that's got the ball in his hands for 80 percent of the game right like that's why people like that's why people like playing with stephen clay they score a lot of points but they're not holding the ball and that's like halliburton i think that's one of his best skills like he's a quick decision maker he he makes decisions quickly. He gets rid of the ball quickly. And the dude is elite at shooting. Like, it looks weird, but he's elite at shooting threes. Like, that can't be argued. So, like, all of the things that you'd want in, like, a prospect in modern basketball, you got it with this guy at, what was he, 11? I don't even remember anymore. 11th, 11th, yeah. 11th pick. 11th pick. So, you're not paying him anything. In my opinion, and I'm sure... A lot of people will disagree. I think he was the best player on the team. Like, I would take him over Fox any day. And then when you put the contracts into it, it's not even a question, right? So I think that's the thing that made me... Everybody thought, oh, when the Kings do a trade, it's Fox is going to be in it. And then it was fucking Halliburton. And I was like, no. How could you do this? 
Like, I was shocked for, like, two seconds. And then I'm like, it's the Kings. Of course they did this. Like, their owner wanted to run what brought a real idea to a real meeting of, like, the C-suite in Sacramento. And, like, why don't we try to play four and five? That's what my girl's youth team does. It's like the dude doesn't. He's a meddling owner, and that's okay if you know basketball, but he obviously doesn't because everything that they've done says that, like, they they just can't figure it out. So, yeah. And I'm sad for how I'm sad for Halliburton. I don't I don't know why he wanted to go to Sacramento and be their savior, but the dude was heartbroken, man. Did you see that? Like he was like crying about it. Yeah, I saw some of his reactions. Um, very stunned, very shocked, just like everyone else. But I think, of course, more so because he was involved in the trade. Um, no, I think I agree with everything you said. Um, I, I, All right, dude. I went on a little soliloquy. No, you're, you're good. You're good. But like, I just can't. It just hurt, like, all all of you, what I really thought about is, like, dude, I feel their pain, because that was us. That was Warriors fans, right? And they're the new Warriors fans, right? Like, I honestly feel like the Kings are the new Clippers of the NBA. Like, they're the laughing stock of the NBA, pretty much. And I just, like, I was actually talking to my cousin, because he lives in Sacramento, and he's a Kings fan. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, bro. Like, that would I would be upset. Like, that would be one of those things that would, like, make me not, like, why do I follow this franchise so they could, like, break my heart every year? Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I want to go off of that point where it's, like, they are the former Warriors, right? And that's how we, that's how we, that's why we have such a visceral reaction to it, right? Um, like you, I was I, just stunned. I think that's why it affected me so much. I'm like, how did this happen? It, like, hurt me a little bit. Yeah. The, the one ray of hope that you have for the franchise moving forward, right? Who's also good right now, was now taken away for something that does feel a little bit more temporary. I mean, granted, like we all said, like you, like you said, I agree. Sabonis is probably the better player right now, but what does Halberton project to be? I mean, maybe an all-star, maybe the best player on a playoff team, maybe the second best player on a championship team. I don't know, man. Like all, all the signs say, like Halliburton is the modern NBA darling. Stat nerds, but also the eye test says that he's a good player for fantasy purposes. Um, you know, I, I do want to give at least Sabonis a little bit of a, a, a little bit of flowers here, where he's now in a situation where, yeah, there is a bit of a glut at the bigs, but if they use him like they did yesterday, I saw some clips. It's essentially the playmaker at the top of the key. Which, that's They're the case. Then Darren Fox hopefully could just be the quick, the quick hitting point guard, and they could kind of bounce off of each other, because um, he did produce, he did do quite well yesterday. Um, and then on the flip side with Halliburton, I think he's gonna thrive. I think if the plan was for the Pacers to tank and try to get a top four pick, that might be foiled because Halliburton's actually good. Well, I think what's gonna happen, and actually. It hurts my team a little bit because I think they might just hold Brogdon out, right? Like I, I they're gonna play him. Yeah, that that, that does make sense because Brogdon has had a lot of injury history, and it doesn't make sense to bring him back, especially if they're not playing for the playoffs. And you get to run out Halliburton for thirty six minutes every game, which I think is kind of remarkable and amazing for him to run his own team without question, right? Because now, no Fox, no Mitchell. Um, yeah, it's just all going to be about Halliburton um, and Miles Turner. 
is going to stick around. So if he does come back, then they can build some chemistry at the end of the season. Um, and that'll be kind of curious for Miles Turner next year. Um, I had this saved for another section, but I'm going to bring it up now real quick. Miles Turner now being the f- the primary center of the Pacers. What does that do for his fantasy value next year on the open auction? I mean, it's got to push it up a little bit, but I don't think as much, or me personally, I wouldn't value it as much as maybe, you know, like what he'll actually go at because the reason why he's valuable is his defensive stats. And that's really the reason why I'm, I would draft him. I don't think we're going to see like an offensive explosion. He's never been a great offensive player. And yeah, it's he's got more space to like do things now, but he's never going to be like a high use player, right? Like that was why Sabonis was is so good in fantasy. Like you said, heliocentric. Like they ran a lot of things through him. Um, he always was touching the ball, and I don't think Turner will ever be that player. And so on the defensive side, nothing changes, right? Like he's going to be an elite shot blocker. Um, hopefully, he'll still shoot more threes. He'll probably score more points and get some more rebounds. But if you're drafting him for you know, anybody that's drafting him now, you're drafting him because of his defensive upside, right? Not really his offense. The offense is like the, the little sprinkles on top. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. I think that's not where his game's at, but I think the space to operate and just the unintended consequence of extra rebounds, extra putbacks here and there, um, is going to help just overall. Um, last year he went for $30. I imagine it'll be more or less the same. Um, I don't think there's going to be a big run on him because I think he is limited just on the eye test, if you do watch him play, um, but he does produce in fantasy. The other player I do feel like is going to be affected in a very positive way, his new future running mate for, what, five, six, seven years? Chris Duarte. I think now they're, I mean, is that is that is that the future Stephen Clay? I'm talking crazy. But I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be very similar. It's, it's the discount version of Stephen Clay. Thoughts on Chris Duarte? It's still like 90% off version, like deep, deep discount, like four seasons ago, bro. Like, let's stop. Let's never compare anybody to Stephen Clay again, okay? Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's my bad, my bad, my bad. Um, no, that's okay. But, but you got to do things with the aggregators, right? I think maybe, yeah. maybe we'll, get, we'll get aggregated. Um, We're going to move on I to... Do, like Duarte, um, he's already a dead-eye shooter. He's already a pretty solid rotation guy, but he should be, he's 24. Right. So that's always a thing. I, you know, he was one of the prospects that the Warriors, I think we're looking at. I never wanted to take him just because it's like, he's kind of is what he is. Right. Like, and that's a good player, but uh, I don't see the upside there. I think I'll be a solid role player in the NBA. Um, and I think he will get numbers, especially like I think he's going to be a really good three point shooter for 10 years. Um, but as far as for fantasy purposes, like I would take how I think Halliburton's going to like pop, man. For, like ne- Next year after he like gets used to the system and like, you know, he's going to be pissed. Like he's he's already he's pissed that the Kings traded him like. Who would be pissed that you finally got to leave the dumpster fire that is Sacramento? And he's mad about it, dude. The dude's going to go off. Like, I know a lot of people are like, oh, he's the perfect role player. 
which he can be. He could play that, but like, I think he could be an all star. Like, I really do. I I don't think that's like a stretch at all. So, I think he's gonna have a really good year, and I think they'll move Brogdon, dude. And just like here, it's your team. Yeah, I think it is a matter of time for Brogdon and a matter of time for Halliburton to take the lead as the lead guard. Um, yeah. can I, can I, um, you know, Indiana, yeah, they don't, they're not always competing for a championship, but they're a well-run organization that is always in the playoffs and has always won every year, right? Pretty much since what? How 20 years, like they rarely miss the playoffs, right? They don't make stupid moves. How long have like Sabonis and Turner been in trade talks, right? Like every every year it's Turner is gonna get traded. Never happens. They wait for some stupid team like the Kings to be like, here you go. Here's the perfect young prospect to run a modern NBA team. And then like, okay, let's do it. Yeah, no. That's why why bad teams stay bad, man. Indiana has done a nice job of really doing a lot with a little, right? They yeah. are not in a big market, so they don't have the cap flexibility or just like the pocket, the deep pockets. And yet they're always competitive. They're always figuring things out on the fly. And I think that's just a testament to just the organization in general. Um, even though players don't necessarily want to flock there to free agency, for the most part, I get the sense that whoever does get drafted or signed there um, is better for it, um, either in their careers or just... Um, in the basketball sense, kind of learning how to be an NBA player. Um, Davidson, yeah. we're, we're going to call you out because you have Halliburton right now. You bought him for 20 bucks this year. If you don't keep him, um, there's going to be a large run on Halliburton in the draft. I will say that. Sure. All right. Well, uh, $20? $20 he spent? Yep, he spent 20 bucks on him. Okay, so he'll probably get him next year for like 30-something. Yeah, about 30. 30 to something. 30, yeah. Um, but then if, if he's in the open market, I feel like there's going to be a run on him. Sure. Especially kind of the way that you and I see players like that, right? One of the things about this league is I, I feel like we're early on prospects. Yeah. Right? Like in most, in, in like your league that doesn't have like crazy fans, like people other than like the number one pick that like gets way overvalued, no one knows any of the other prospects. But I feel like you know, sometimes I feel like it's a disadvantage to, like, be so into basketball where it's like, you're like, oh, this guy's going to be good. But then you draft him and like, fuck, but he's not going to be good for like three years. Why did I buy him now? I feel like that happens a lot in our league. Like, it definitely happens to me. Like, I've been early on so many players, but then by the time they pop, it's like two years later. And it's like, I knew he was going to be good, but I couldn't hold him all this time. But I usually draft like two rookies every season. Oh, that's another, that's another Kevin Kevin thing. Kevin I use it rookies every year. All right. Well, we'll we'll keep that in mind as we're, as we're driving up prices for the auction next year. All right. Uh, the other big trade. I think the the biggest headline of the of the week. James Harden, Ben Simmons. Thank you. Traded for you. Uh, the principals. So we have Philadelphia gets James Harden and Paul Millsap. Brooklyn gets Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, a 2022 first round pick, unprotected, and 2027. First round pick, unprotected. Um, real quick, I just want to let Daryl Morey do a victory lap because I am a big fan of Daryl's. Uh, have been for a long time. Um, I read Moneyball in 2005. So I was kind of there with like the early analytics within sports and how that was shifting, kind of valuing players. 
And the Sloan Conference, I didn't know who ran it, but I knew it was a thing to pay attention to. Little did I, I want to go real bad, man. Yeah, I I would love to sit in on any any of the talks that any of the talks that we have. Um, but yeah, Daryl finally gets his guy. Um, what are what are your thoughts? Like, how how did this trade shake up? And to me, on a basketball side and even a fantasy side, I think both teams and players won. Dude, that was that was exactly what I said to you. Um, not in the league, but my my ex roommate Jordan Williams, who follows basketball, he now lives in Japan, and we kind of stay connected again through basketball. Like we're just talk about. Like, he watches all the games. Like I don't know when in the middle of the night, and we're all like he's a he, he watches he loves Steph, so he watches all the Warriors games. So we're always chatting about basketball. And I was just talking to him because I was like, I think it's going to happen, dude. Like, I think it's going to happen. And then after the details came out, um, we were kind of dissecting it. And I was like, this is one of those rare trades that is good for both teams. Um, And I'm glad as an NBA fan that it happened because, like, the shit that's been going on this whole season for two teams that should be competing for a championship, like, it sucks. Like, I don't want to see that. Um so yeah, I think that it's gonna it makes both teams better, but I actually think that Brooklyn got the better deal in the trade. And if I had to pick a team to come out of the East right now, other than Milwaukee, it would be Brooklyn. It's a bold statement. Um, we're gonna circle back to that because I do want to talk about Brooklyn and Ben Simmons. Uh, but let's start with James Harden. So yeah, traded twice in essentially a calendar year. Um, but we can't deny historically what he's done as an NBA player, as a basketball savant, how he could not play for three months, or he can essentially just get fat in Houston and then go to Brooklyn and have a resurgence in the type of career that he wants. You have him right now. What is your outlook for the rest of the season? You know, If there is going to be a, a statistical push, whether that's in fantasy or in, um, in just the regular season itself, and... My second question is, he's going to be about a little over $60 as a keeper. You project him to be about that price, and will you keep him? All right. So first off, I'm very happy that he got traded. I'm sure that's not a surprise. Um, he's, you know, what the crazy thing about Harden is, it's obviously been a down year for him. But he's still like a top twenty player in fantasy, even even at like how bad he is compared to how he normally plays. Um, but you know, I think, and maybe this is just me being hopeful because I have to go like eight and one or seven and two for the last three weeks of the season to have a chance to make the playoffs. But I'm hoping that I think he'll be better, obviously, because he wasn't trying, and that's. That, that's part of the reason why I don't like owning Harden. I'm not a fan of him. Like, I'm a fan of his statistics, but the shit that he pulled in Houston and now in Brooklyn, like, I hate that. Like, he quit on two teams to force his way out. Um, that stuff matters, man. That's why you never beat the Warriors, bro. You know, I just had to say that. But I think he's going to go off statistically in Philly, and I think, like, him and Embiid are going to put up huge numbers. But I think it's too late for it to actually help my team. But it'll be better than like, oh, he has a fake injury and he's not playing today. Because that's been the last like two weeks, right? For at least for me, it's like, oh, he has 
hamstring tightness or there's something wrong with his hand, which ever, I mean, I don't think it was real, man. I think he gets, I think he's going to go to um, Philly and he's miraculously going to be healthy and he's going to be able to play. That's my guess. Yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna start to hear the the stories of uh, a very specific cryo chamber facility in Philly only that apparently New York City doesn't have, you know, because New York City is not a big city at all. Um, I mean, dude, the last what was the that I don't remember it was the last game that he played the the four point game against Zach. So okay, like I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, he he's he gave up. Like James Harden could not have a leg. And score four points, right? Like that's when I was like, "Oh, he, that's when I was like, the trade's gonna happen because he's literally showing the team I'm quitting on you, so you better fucking trade me." And I hate that it worked, but it worked. Yeah, it it kind of it's it's not a good look. History's not gonna look too kindly on that situation. I think there is, of course, an always an opportunity for redemption, but I mean, the past not even two years just have not you know have not done well for his, for his legacy um are you going to keep him oh sorry yeah the rest of that question probably not um usually i don't keep i when they get over like $50 i'm usually not going to keep somebody with the exception of like if i that's when it has to become like oh i actually I love this player. Like, I actually enjoy watching him. That's the one thing I hate. And I know this seems crazy, but I actually don't like owning Harden because I don't like watching him play basketball. Right? Like, I love owning Luka because I want to watch all of Luka's games. Like, he's one of my favorite players. And that was the same way with Giannis when I owned him. And that's why I was actually sad when I traded Giannis. But I had to to spoil a back-to-back championship. But I was sad because it's like, oh, I like literally watched this guy grow up in the NBA. Like, I I like watching all of his games. There are every nationally televised Bucks game, which used to be none, and then they got started getting a whole bunch because of Giannis. I'd watch all of them because I like really liked watching them play. Um, so I actually would like pay a little extra if I like really loved the player like that. But for Harden, nah. And especially I usually try to like Again, this is another strategy thing. Unless I have, like, super superstars, which I guess Harden can be considered one, but I don't think after the season people are going to consider him, like, a superstar fantasy player. Um, I always try to go with, like, one superstar and one young guy. So that's usually why I'm drafting, like, a couple rookies that I, like, hmm, I wonder if this guy will pop. So, like, this year I have, I have Barnes and I have Franz Wagner. So I'll probably keep one of them. Yeah, and then there's a rooting interest also to, to watch them kind of grow and develop. Um, and I think that's kind of a fun, healthy way to look at basketball too. Um, I have that same reasoning with Steph. Um, I told Davidson on the last pod that the reason why I've just, I will never let him go is because he's probably, he's one of the most defining sports figures in my lifetime. That is also representative of the culture and consciousness of sports throughout the United States. I think it's very rare for that to ever happen in anyone's sports life, um, in anyone's lifetime to begin with. And and we got it. Um, living in parallel with him because Steph is our age. I think that's just a beautiful, magical thing that I will cherish and remember 
during this time growing up with stuff at the same time um yes i have that similar thing with well not with fantasy but like my favorite player is clay thompson and so victoria knows that do you ever wonder why clay kept kept getting bid up every year like crazy so I've actually, because my GMing brain will always outdo the heart. So I'll give up at a certain point. But she ended up having Clay a lot of seasons because she knows that's my favorite player. And she would drive up the price until I would just, like, be out of it. But, yeah, that's why I don't feel bad about, like, the lopsided trades with her. Because she's evil, too. Sorry, Vic. We, we had to bring you in again for, for that one. Um, on the other side of the trade, um, Seth Curry, I think, will pop off for the rest of the season. So, Edward against the clay. Um, he's in the bottom third of the league. But if he does make a run for it, Seth Curry is going to be uh, very much part of that as well. But the big question now remains, will Ben Simmons have any fantasy impact for the rest of the year? One. And... Will we want to watch it? Will we actually want to see it in Brooklyn? Like, do we want to watch the product on the court? Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm 100% in. Because the problem, okay, yes, Simmons gets a lot of shit. And I think he deserves it. Particularly with all that's transpired over the last year and whatever. And he handled it pretty poorly. Yes, shooting is important in the game of basketball where you need to make buckets. But like it has been said a million times, the dude could literally do everything else at an elite level. And he's an elite athlete, right? He's 6'10". He could switch five positions. Well, I shouldn't say five. He could switch probably four positions. It just never worked with Embiid because if you can't shoot, that guy needs to be like closer to the bucket and it makes it crowded. And that doesn't work when you have, I don't know, definitely one of the top two big men in the league, right? It's either it's, it goes back and forth every day. It's either Joel or Jokic, right? Who's the best big in the league, but you put him on Brooklyn with now elite three point shooting. You got Seth Curry, you got KD and Kyrie on the perimeter. Dude, it's going to be good. Like, it's kind of like when I didn't want him on the Warriors because I didn't want what they'd have to give up. But when I imagine, oh, this might happen, it's going to be like that. Like, it's an, to me, it's an ideal place for him to be with the, skill, the skilled players that they already have. And I really want to see, like, I think they're going to be really, really good. But it all depends on Katie's health, right? Like, if he comes back healthy... I I I got them high up there, man. That's what I'm saying. In the East, I wouldn't be surprised if they come out of the East, which I don't know. I don't know if people think that's crazy, but my only my only pushback against Brooklyn winning it in the East is that Kyrie is still a halftime player. And that's you you have to play home games at some point in the playoffs. Um whatever happens in New York happens. But I, I feel like it's, it would be very surprising if they won only road games to win a title. Aren't, I thought they were like redoing the mandate. Um, it's, they're, they're changing the mask mandate, but the oh. vaccination still is required to be um, indoors. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's kind of my, where I stop with, with Brooklyn. Like I see the talent, I see the potential, I see the theoretical 
um, pieces coming together. I see Ben Simmons at center, finally, hopefully. Um, but Kyrie being a halftime player has been a strain on their team, on the NBA, and fantasy. So shout out to Jesse for uh, for drafting him. I nominated him as a joke because I knew people would bid him up. I didn't realize Jesse was also going to take Kyrie because he also had just taken Ben Simmons. So uh, that's the reason why Jesse is bottom two this year, number 13. Um, I, I've got a I've got a Ben Simmons fantasy I was, question I was for, laughing, for for next year. So Ben Simmons, um, you know, has been a fairly high value, highly priced fantasy player in open auctions in the past. Um, I've got a list of all the comps at different positions because I think, well, I think you and I feel the same that Ben Simmons is a five two player. He can be a big, he can be a wing. He's definitely a guard. He's got point guard skills. I'm going to list off names at each position, and I want you to stop me when you feel like he's a better player than that player. We're going to start at center or big. As long as, long as oh, better, positionally better player. Okay. Positionally better player. So this is where you stop, and this is the, uh, I'll, and I'll give you the value of this player um, when you say stop. Paul Anthony Towns. DeMontis Sabonis. Christian Wood. John Collins. Stop. All right, so John Collins went for $35. The ones behind him are Jaron Jackson Jr., Julius Randle, and Miles Turner. So next year in the draft, we're thinking around the John Collins area, about $35. If we're looking at him as a big, as a center, right? I think I misunderstood your question. I thought you meant like as a player, not auction values. Little, I don't a little bit of both, a little bit of both. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, it, it's, it's tied in, right? Yeah, I... yeah. As a player, like he's probably better than them, but at the same time, we're looking at fantasy values and how this past year's draft went. Because you know, of course, there's going to be the, a run at bigs, um, a run at different positions and players. That's generally how we're we're seeing him there. All right, let's let's go with wings. So these are all the wings. But we'll, I'll start from the top. You tell me to stop when you feel like. Um, you feel like he's better than them, better than that that position. All right, Jason, monetary or, um, or basketball what, wise. Yeah, what you think of him as a basketball player? I feel like okay. he's definitely better than this player. Okay, right. Jason Tatum, Paul George, Zach Levine, Jalen Brown, LeBron, Chris Middleton, Michael Porter Jr. Well, uh, stop. A healthy that, I, I don't know about, does he count? I'll, I'll read the next one, and then you let me know. Mikel Bridges. Tobias. Yeah, I think he's a better player than Mikel Bridges. So about the Michael Porter Jr. and Mikel Bridges range, so that's about $29. So we're still looking at about 30 for for Ben Simmons here. Um, he does produce at that position. He will be available at that position, which makes him even more flexible. Um, the ones behind him were Mikel Bridges, Tobias Harris, and Jeremy Grant. I, I feel like that's kind of like his going rate, right? So ever since he kind of ascended, which was literally his rookie season, and he's been the same player, he always kind of went between like 30 and 40, I think, right? Yeah. Pretty much. Probably not the last season, but um, I don't know. I think he's going to put up similar numbers than he has already. Yeah. Like, fast. Yeah, and it, it's... 
it's really just about him integrating into the system and what it what what his game is gonna be reshaped as, right? All right, so we'll go with guards because um, I do anticipate his guard numbers will definitely increase as far as assists and steals. Um, so number one this year, Bradley Beal, Trey Young, Shea Gilgis Alexander, John Morant, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Fred Van Vliet, Aaron Fox, Dejounte Murray, Lonzo Ball. Yeah, stop there. Pretty, those are all fairly high quality guards, but I think the for me because guards are so plentiful throughout fantasy, um, you can be a little bit more flexible with when you get them. So, Dejounte Murray went for twenty six dollars. I think that's about right. Um, but also, you're paying for the positional flexibility that Simmons provides. I think that is extremely valuable. So I think we landed. Dejounte, that seemed low to me. Dejounte this year uh, went for 26. I think people kind of slept on him at the end of the draft. So Trenton stole him at of course 26. He did. Yeah. Um, the ones after were Lonzo, Chris Paul, and Tyrese Halliburton, who I imagine will be kept best of year. Um, yeah, the thing with Simmons is that because I owned him for a few years, is if you take him, he's one of those players that you got to play in your team around him, which I honestly don't like doing after doing that a couple of years. It's like, you know, going into like jamming strategy. Like when you know somebody's so bad at something, and then you have to like build your team around that. I mean, not that different from like, you know, why it didn't work out in Philadelphia. It just puts stress on the whole system, right? But you got, like, two guards that do anything. It doesn't matter. Like, that's like having Kevin Durant on the basketball court. You don't need to worry about it. You throw whoever out there, he's going to get his, like, 37 and 7, and you don't need to worry about it. Yeah. I think Ben Simmons is definitely at a turning point in his NBA career, but also fantasy production career as far as the way that we see the game, right, and the things that we're, we're looking for for next year. It's really just a matter of him, one, being healthy, so available, and two, understanding that his usage doesn't need to be high in order for him to be a productive NBA player and also a stat filler. Because I think he can fill stats in a number of ways, whether that's rebounds, blocks, steals, assists. He doesn't have to shoot. Got a lot of offense. Just keep percentages high. And hopefully that can in turn do something with this free throw percentage. You know, just a little bit of confidence. Maybe it is a mental thing. Um, where do you think they're playing him? Like what, where do you think they're playing him positionally? The start games, I would imagine at two guard or small forward. Just to start games. And I think it's just going to be a very fluid situation. At least this year. Next year, probably in the backcourt with Kyrie for the most part. If they can figure out the, the wings and kind of the center rotation. But I think the the death lineup, I guess, I, I hate to use that for because it's the Warriors thing, is Simmons at center. One. Yeah, so it is Simmons at center, right? And I think if they unlock that, they figure that out, and they just run. They do Seth, Kyrie, Durant, Patty Mills, and Simmons. Oh, their guard depth is very good. Yeah. Yeah. And now they got that rookie Cam Thomas. That guy's microwave off the bench. 
Yeah, Cam Cam Thomas is a shooter. He can score in and out. Um, he doesn't need very many touches. He's not a high usage player, but he gets buckets. That's why I think the situation's so good for Simmons, dude. Like, they got shooters, dude. You don't need to shoot, man. Yeah. No, I, I think it's going to be interesting how Simmons integrates this season. But I, I think he may actually have an opportunity to turn his career around and kind of be a successor for Kevin Durant if he does stay in Brooklyn for the rest of his career. If Kevin- well, you, know, you know, the unknown, though, right, is just like on Jesse's team, he mixed together. He has all three of them. Ben Simmons and Kyrie. Like, that's the one thing that I don't know, man. Like, chemistry-wise, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. Kyrie's, Kyrie's always going to be the wild card, and yet Kevin Durant has his back for whatever reason. I don't know, But you're going to have Steph's back. Steph had his. Still has his. In the wild. Um, let's close things out with uh, some Warriors talk. So, yeah. no, we talk about important stuff. We've got we've got the team back. We've got the team deeper than they've ever been. Um, what are your overall thoughts on how the season's going? And can they do it? Can they bring it home? Can they win the chip with the rookies? So, I'll answer that question last. Um. Coming into the season, I can't, I can't front and say like, oh, I thought we we're gonna be a, a championship contender. I thought we'd be we competing for like four to six seed, and maybe we could get out of the first round if Clay came back healthy. Um, that's kind of I thought was a, a a realistic goal for the season especially after the last two years of like you know well we won't talk about it anyway um but yeah i think the biggest difference to this year that doesn't get talked about enough is draymond green who's unfortunately hurt now and i think our season really depends on his health but he came into the season motivated and in shape and I think that is the reason why we got off to the hot start and have been able to kind of maintain it throughout the whole season. Um, and that came from, you know, because he was in the Olympics. And I don't I don't remember the last time Draymond came in the training camp, like, looking ready to go. Especially not the last. I, it's pretty obvious he didn't care about the last two years. I get it. Like, he's a championship. He knows they lost years. But once I saw him, like, in shape and ready, and then... In the beginnings, I mean, I know Steph's gone through the worst, the worst shooting slump of his career, but in the beginning, Steph was on fire too. And once those guys are clicking, everything else kind of falls into place. Um, the off-season moves worked out way better than I thought they would. Like, oh, I really wanted Patty Mills. I was so sad when he didn't when he didn't sign with us, um, but. Most of the, you know, making moves on the fringes, I think they've done very well, especially with Otto Porter. He's probably the best vet men signing in the league, I'd say. Um, and for for the draft, I know a lot of people were disappointed that they didn't trade. Um, but I don't know me, and I think this, I think this goes back to being a Warriors fan. Like, the draft was my NBA finals for most of my life because we were always in the lottery 
And that was what I looked forward to, right? Like, oh, that's actually what got me into, like, college basketball is because I wanted to know who the Warriors could draft. So I'm probably a little skewed towards, like, I like prospects. Um, and I don't really, unless you're getting back something amazing, I'd, I'd, like, I'd like to take, like, good talent. And I know this, this past year's drafts was really good. Like, I think it'll go down as one of the best drafts ever. And we had, like, two fairly high picks. So I'm glad that they uh, kept the picks. And, I mean, Kaminga looks good, man. Man. And I really love Moses Moody too. Yeah, no, um, I, I echo everything you say about Draymond coming in, having that hot start. Um, I think it, it, it's all about system, right? It's about the Warriors getting back to kind of what worked for them, but also iterating on it a bit. Where, um, you know, I've, I've read a lot of the athletic and kind of the analysis on the Warriors' open offense, uh, a lot of motion, but it's still a little bit more different than just the straight up. You have high intelligence players. You have a little bit of that. You have a little bit of a, athleticism you also have depth and you're able to do it across 15 a 15 man roster all 15 can play which is kind of wild that's why they can't actually make moves because they would have to drop someone or trade someone um with respect to the rookies i was in the camp of i don't know what the rookies can offer this year i think it's just it's one of those things where you, you know that rookies can't really contribute right away the Warriors historically haven't been able to bring along rookies. So, of course, like a little bit of trepidation, just like I, I just was not sure, right? Uncertainty. Um, but I think the one thing that did allow me to accept this a little bit sooner was the fact that they did mention they brought in a coaching staff. Um, they brought in the um, the guy from Toronto and they brought in Mila, Milalevich, um, Jokic's old coach. And that was those are the two signings where I just keep, I, I keep thinking about it's like, yeah, they, they did things around the edges, but they also did player development aspects that no one talks about with their team outside of the Warriors. Dude, didn't they bring in Atkinson too? And they brought in Kenny Atkinson. Yeah, incredible. because he helped develop the Nets team. Yeah, um, which I think that's the one thing with being a Warriors fan where we're dialed in to the NBA in a way that's very different than the rest of the country. Other fan bases. Like, this is a story for us. What other team do you know talks about their assistant coaches as far as player development while trying to win a championship. And I think that just goes to like the depth that we fall into as Warriors fans. Um, and then kind of, like you said, the draft is our championship. I, I was there for Joe Smith. I was there for Mike Dunleavy. I was there for Jason Richardson. That was, Not, that was you know, the worst, one. the worst one ever, Todd Fuller. You remember him? That was the Kobe. Draft. That was the Kobe draft. Oh my God, that one hurt. That one did hurt. Here, you remember the Eric Dampier at Donald Foyle experiment? Yeah, the, like the they drafted both of them and played them at the same time. Yeah, yeah. The Warriors were I, a mess. I, the, <laughs> go ahead, Dan. Yeah, no, uh, the Warriors were a mess. But again, the draft was always this this moment of hope, right? Where, like you said learning about college players, learning about them coming up, you know, being more involved in basketball 365 the entire year, as opposed to just the playoff run or the regular season. This is something I feel like, again, like not every fan base, you know, for better or worse, had the ability or wanted to do just because this is kind of just how the Warriors were operating for so long. And I think that's what made me really okay with the idea of drafting Kaminga, keeping Kaminga and Moody. Um, again, 
But following all of the 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 news leading up to it, Kaminga was raw. Kaminga was apparently uncoachable. Um, all those things don't seem to come to pass at all. And I think that just goes to show the levels of information that we received that we're not there on the floor with them. We're not there with this team. And I think we have, me personally still has a little bit of PTSD with how that Warriors organization was run under Chris Cohen. Um, so I do have to kind of remember it's Lacob and Goober and they probably have a better vision. I mean, they've won three titles in five years than that past iteration of the Warriors. All this to say, love Kaminga. I feel like he's the hybrid of, I'm just going to say it. You have, I see a little bit of LeBron. I see a little bit of Kawhi. I see a little bit of Paul George, if that jump shot ever comes through. And he plays center. So a little bit of Pascal Siakam. I, I think you have the modern superstar mold player that the Warriors fell into at seven. I don't know so how, but it just water happened. on this guy. You need to cool down, bro. Wow. I'm wilding because 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 when we win the title this year and he's there, he's learning, he's dissecting, he's processing everything, then the sky's the limit. Um, I do see a little bit of Kobe in him. Like Kobe, like shithead Kobe. But I think that's like good Kobe. It's like, okay, that's good. That's good. Like, you mean like 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 mini Afro Kobe, like that Kobe? Yeah, yeah, the the one that like really like dug into everyone and got under everyone's skin, but also didn't give a fuck and just like very short memory. And it's like I'm just gonna come at you every single time. Um, I see a little bit of that Kobe in there. So he's like five of the best basketball players ever. Yes, what you're saying? Essentially, yeah. Who, who can play center? Who, who yeah. can play center? Um, no, and I think I think it's just a really exciting year for the Warriors. Even if they don't win the title, I think this is just a fun year in general where we are seeing the two-timeline story that Joe Lacob wants to make into a movie that's coming to fruition. And it's just super exciting. I can't... I can't... I appreciate Joe and what they've done for the franchise. I can't credit them with the chips. We won those chips because of Steph and Clay and Draymond and... I mean, okay, they get credit for bringing in KD. But they didn't draft Steph. And the, that's the thing. And I think that goes back to, like, why you have kept Steph all this time. None of this happens without Steph Curry. He can never be overpaid. We can never show him enough love because he saved the franchise. And all of the stuff that we're talking about now, that's only possible because of him, right? Like, we should call Chase Center the house that Steph Curry built. We only have it because of him. Everything was built on that. And so, yeah, I like Lakeup. He's a little arrogant, but I give the credit to Steph, man. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have anything. We, we'd still be a shitty team drafting in the lottery every year, not making the playoffs. But I don't know. I think that's why people like sports, man. You never know. Like, I loved... I love Steph coming out of the draft. That's why I wanted the. So I got two right. I got Steph and Clay back to back. Those were the two guys that I wanted, and those were the two that they drafted. Not in a million years would I ever think Steph could be as good as he is, right? Like, and I was like super bullish on him. That's why you never know, man. And that's why, like, I think we all love sports. You never know, and but when it happens to your team, you just appreciate it. And I think that's the one thing that annoys me about Lakers fans is they're, they, 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 I don't feel like they don't appreciate it, man. They don't. And I think that's what makes the, like, 
Warriors fans different. Well, at least us, the ones that have been Warriors fans through, you know, all the shitty times. The newer Warriors fans, gotta say, you know, we will take them, but, you know, they're always the ones complaining about things. It's like, yo, we won three championships. They're the, they're always the people, like, putting dirt on Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant's name because he left. It's like, dude, I love Kevin Durant forever. He won us two, two championships. So, I don't know. I'm just rambling at this point because I just love the Warriors so much. Oh, man. And that's, that's a good spot. That's a good spot right there to just uh, put a bow on it. I do feel like you said, like, we grew up with it. Saw every version of what it meant to be a sports fan. The uh, NBA um, lover of history. And kind of the evolution of everything. I mean, stuff changed the game. I mean, you probably hear that everywhere you go as far as ESPN and The Ringer and The Athletics. Stuff changed the game. He literally did. And we lived it. And I appreciate you for being here, for um, talking your head off. I think you are a natural. I think you, you got a lot to say. And I, I was here for everything. Um, yeah, man. Dude, I held back. I held back because I don't want to go. I'm ready for... You know, I know you got to go through the crew, but I was a little nervous, so I held back a little bit, but I'm ready. I'm ready for another episode. Yeah. You know, you call whenever you need. I think just like Clay, thirsty for buckets, you're thirsty for a uh, podcast time. Uh, I think I think we, we love it. We want it all. All right, man. Uh, we're gonna Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. I want to thank you for having me on. That's awesome. Yeah. We should like do this more often. No, 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 I got you. I, 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 you know, I, I could do, I can only do so much planning, but I really got to let the talent shine, and the talent is you for this evening. And uh, I mean, you killed it, man. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll do it again soon. We'll, we'll get you on. I'll try not to have too long of a break next time. I got, I'm planning some things moving forward. So I got, I got you. All right, man. All right, for sure. All right, we'll uh, we'll sign out there. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Sports Nuts Spurned by Stern Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Subscribe on YouTube, follow on Spotify, or find us wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Kevin. Or, or Kevin, this is Rudolfo. And this has been The Sports Nuts. Peace. Later.